The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show on Voice America. Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller. I am your social worker with the microphone. And uh, welcome to the show. And nice to have you on, all of you, so early in the morning, and including my co-host, Lauren. How are you? I am doing well, Catherine. How about you? Yeah, just doing well, because I have to say, I heard you a little bit before the show, you know, as we're talking before we go on the air, and you sound like you had a big cough. I do have a cough, but, you know, the the lingering effects of a lousy cold is a cough sometimes, so we're... I'm fine. All right, so... If I go into a coughing fit, you'll you'll cover for me. Yeah, if Lauren goes into a coughing fit, she's got one of those buttons. We have these, like, mute mute buttons, they call them, and uh, you can mute it, and then we won't hear you coughing. But, Lauren, for the weekend, guess where I was? I was in Tampa, Florida. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even know the Super Bowl was going to be there this past weekend. <laughs> Called up my cousin who lives there and said, well, we'll come down for the weekend, because they just put a nonstop flight on from Albany, New York, to Tampa, Florida, so uh-huh. any of you are... In the area and want to go to Tampa, you can go nonstop. Um, only forty people on the plane. Southwest Airlines. Nice. Yeah, and uh, really inexpensive too. Uh, it, the price has gone up, but to be honest, I get the select business thing for Southwest, so we were number one and number two. Why? Because my boyfriend is six feet four, and he needs <laughs> to sit in the exit aisle so that his big feet. Don't get in the way, and I'm always like, well, I, I can sit anywhere. I mean, I'm two feet tall and getting shorter every day, so <laughs> it doesn't matter where I sit. So the space he takes up, you, the space you don't take up, he does. Yeah, exactly. But, Lauren, I have to tell you this, because this I am, like, on a kick with this. This is driving me nuts. This is well, going down, had a great time, stayed, went to St. Petersburg. There's a Dolly Museum, Dolly, Salvador Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, very interesting. Not his best pieces, but... Nevertheless, it is a Dolly Museum, and it's interesting to see all the different types of Floridians (laughs) coming from New York. It's very different, I have to say, uh, in terms of the um, museum-going crowd. Is it really? Yeah. What did you notice? Well, I'll tell you, it, there was this docent, you know, the person who goes around and tells you what the paintings are all about. Uh-huh. Well, he was like a, um, uh, one of those guys who was uh, like a religious fanatic kind of guy. Who? What, what do you call them, who stand up and give religious speeches and stuff? What's the word? I can't think of it. An evangelist? Yes, and he is screaming, you can hear him throughout the museum, uh, about these paintings and this evangelistic kind of... Uh, uh, Voice and it was. I mean, you can't That's sit there. Funny. And we could. What? That is funny. It is. It was a riot. I mean, you couldn't sit there and like enjoy the painting and experience it the way you wanted to. I'm like a purist when it comes to that, and um, so it kind of got in the way. But then I decided, okay, I'm going to turn this around. This is going to be a sociological study of how <laughs> they how they interpret. Salvador Dali paintings in in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm sorry, folks. I, I just it was it was wild. It was That's really wild. Funny. So you what? had good weather and you saw all kinds of people. You know what? It was cold. It was sunny. Yeah, but it was cold. I was there two weeks ago and it was very cold. And it was very cold. Yeah, it was cold. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't uh, bathing suit weather. But Lauren, coming back, we have a taxi. We're driving back. There's not a person on the road because our flight leaves at 6.30, Super Bowl night, so no one's going to be driving around. They're going to be watching the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is right near the airport in Tampa, as you know. The airport lined up at the St. Petersburg Airport and at the Tampa Airport, row after row of these huge corporate jets. Everybody was in for the Super Bowl. Well, but Lauren, I said, do you think any of these huge corporate jets where they are here? Oh, hey, uh, we're, we're taxpayer dollars. Yes. Are these the ones that we bailed out? Uh-oh, yes. Catherine's yes. on it. Mm-hmm. I t- absolutely would agree. I'm sure that it was. Uh, a couple of the banks, or at least one of the banks, uh, and, and maybe others, but it... You saw the name on the plane? No, I found out in the news the next day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there we are with those huge corporate jets going to, and I'm sure they have these elaborate parties, and there they are at the Super Bowl, and they are, what, using our money, the taxpayer bailout money? I mean, here's the other one, this Wells Fargo thing. I want to talk about that. 
you're in business, you're an entrepreneur, Wells Fargo Bank, $25 billion from taxpayers, had defended their 12-day trip for their employees, 1,000 of the company's top employees and guests in Las Vegas at one of the best hotels there, the Wynn Las Vegas. Craziness. It's more than that. It really makes me angry. It's well, it really... should make us angry. It totally should. It's irresponsible. See, these are all expense-paid trips, helicopter rides, wine tasting, horseback riding, all of those kinds of things. I think what's um, happened in corporate America is that has become the norm, and if it's not there, people leave. And it's sad. It's Those are the, should be the bonus trips that when a company does well, the bottom line's there, then you reward people. But it's not there, and we're rewarding no matter what. You know what? You can reward anybody you want in your company if you're not using my money, taxpayers' money. Hey, when they pay the money back, when they pay the $25 billion back to the taxpayers, to then the government... Then they should go have the party. Then they can have a party. Exactly. Any company that's not... Any private corporation can do what they want. They don't owe anybody anything. But now... The whole thing has changed. Now they're owned. Now they have the, the government is involved. They wanted the $25 billion. Well, anyway, what happened was they got such feedback from, I guess, from the, um, from the Obama people and from senators and congressmen that they canceled the event. Which As they it should be. Yeah. As Don't it you? should be. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. It's just a poor, it's, it's irresponsible is the best way I can say it. Yeah, I think it's, Ill, I don't know if it's illegal, but I think it's even more than irresponsible. I mean, it's just... Unethical? $700 billion. They're saying that they need $700 billion from the American people, and then they're going and giving these, these huge parties. It's, they don't need the money. Exactly, then they don't need the money. If they're doing so well... I agree with that. I totally agree with that. They don't need the money if that's how they're going to spend it. Those that's not that's not a company in dire straits. So apparently, uh, allegedly, Wells Fargo said, "Well, here's their excuse." They said, "Well, the monies that we're using to put on this big event in Las Vegas are not the monies that we got from the government." Well, hey, what kind of thinking is that? You put on those cost. parties, then you don't need the money. Oh, my God. It is. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And well, I think that it does speak to our. Uh, lack of ability to take responsibility as individuals in, our, in this country. And I think it's time for that kind of change. And it's interesting. I heard this morning on the news someone criticizing Obama for um, ta- taking responsibility for a mistake the other day. And I think that that was so refreshing. And other people are, you know, criticizing him because he's, he made a mistake. I think we all make mistakes. Craziness. Yeah. Well, they're going to criticize him no matter what. Oh, my. If he doesn't say anything, they criticize him and they talk about transparency. By the way, you can go to trans. Did you go to transparency.gov? You know, I haven't been there recently. Well, I'll go to transparency.gov and it'll, it's transparent. It tells, you can go and you can read these bills, <clears throat> all kinds of information, you know, inside, I don't know if it's inside information, but information about government and it is transparent. And I think that's the, that's the key word, I think, in business today. That's it is changing everything. Yeah. It's a keyword, and I'm hearing it used more and more and more. Like, I hear other people use it. Just I was in a meeting last week in Tampa, actually, and we were in a bunch of us sitting around. It was a, a um, group of, it was an association meeting, and um, there were, transparency came up. It's become a word that we're starting to pay attention to. Yeah, and that's going to, be, that's going to change everything because it's, it's just going to take on a life of its own, and then people think that they are, and, and rightfully so, Americans think that they should have access to this information. And we have to be, you talked about responsible. If we're going to be responsible citizens, then we need to have the information. You can't act exactly. responsibly or make responsible choices if you don't have the information. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that transparency is becoming a value in our governmental system. <laughs> it's refreshing. <laughs> and I think that it's going to be a model for families, you know, to be transparent, for kids to be transparent, for parents to be more transparent. I yeah, think it's, it's a, a trend. It sets a trend. Now, I'll tell you my new love um, is Senator Claire McCaskill from Missouri, the Democratic senator from New, from uh, Missouri. She's fantastic. She's the one, that, she's the one that's really all over this um, corporate spending. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you go to her website, Claire McCaskill, she's a moderate Democrat. She's, you know, outraged by the latest news on corporate luxuries. This is on her website. Uh, she took the Senate to the floor, and she has introduced the CAP Executive Officer Pay Act. I don't know if she's going to be able to get this passed, but 
you know, cap compensation for employees of any private company that accepts federal dollars as a result of the Good for her. She's yeah. all over it. I saw her the other night on the news. Yeah, I, I appreciate her boldness. Yeah, I do too. But she wants—I think she wants to cap these things at four hundred thousand. And as Chris Matthews said last night on MSNBC, Lauren, he goes, "These guys, you think who are making one, two million dollars a year? Oh, plus sometimes bonuses. fifteen and twenty million. Yeah, I know. But are they going to accept four hundred thousand? Well, they're going to have to, I guess, or they're going to have to accept less. But this is going to be the thing. Is, a- is it's an incentive not to take taxpayer dollars if that's going to happen to their personal salary? Yeah, exactly. So as he said. Well, maybe some of these guys are just going to have to uh, leave Park Avenue in their million-dollar apartments and go back to Cincinnati and uh, become CPAs. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, yeah, she's like right on it. She is very cool, and uh, she kind of like leads, I think, this whole thing. Senator Claire McCaskill from Missouri. You know, I wouldn't have thought it would be from Missouri. Sure, but anyway. It just takes one responsible person to start standing out from the rest, and she's doing it. Well, here's one. This is our next guest. This is really she. This is fun. This is like fun stuff. Jocelyn Linder is uh, coming up next. She's co-author of the Good Girl's Guide to Living in Sin, and <laughs> speaking of living in sin, and lives in New York City. But her new book is The Purity Test. The Purity Test. Um, it's a series of five different tests and two thousand questions, and and you can calculate how much of the devil you have in you. Maybe some of these guys should be taking this purity test before they become head of these corporations. That's a great idea. <laughs> I haven't taken the test, but um, it, the questions, there's a wide, wide range in terms of the kinds of questions that she asks. It's outrageous. It's fun. Anyway, she's going to be on. Well, we have, uh, I guess we have to go to break right now. You're listening to Catherine Zox, Voice America with Lauren Beller. Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, Voice America. Thanks for joining us this morning. And don't go away because we've got two guests on the show this morning. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is Life, Life is Dance, broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Every week, Body Talk is here to answer your pressing questions about the fields of traditional, alternative, and functional medical science. Join hosts Dr. Stephen Ross and Drake Kellis as they uncover the truth behind some of today's ailments, symptoms, and diseases. You'll get the most up-to-date information on treatments and remedies and their effectiveness. Plus, you'll hear from leading experts on a variety of health topics. Listen for Body Talk with Dr. Stephen Ross and Drake Kellis, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. I'm your social worker with the microphone with my co-host, I was going to say Warren. It's Lauren. (laughs) Lauren Deller-Blake and Catherine Zox. Thanks for joining us this morning. And with our guest, as we were talking about before we took the break, Jocelyn Linder. Jocelyn is the author of The Purity Test. She's also the co-author of The Good Girl's Guide to Living in Sin. 
and lives in New York City, a great place if you want to live in sin. New York City, best place to live, I would say. But anyway, <laughs> purity test. This is really interesting. Uh, the purity test uh, has five different tests and 2,000 questions. We mentioned that before. And you will be able to calculate how much of the devil you have in you. The first purity test was derived from the 1948 Kinsey reports. I remember those developed by Albert Kinsey. Uh, through anonymous surveys, Kinsey collected information not just on what people did in the sack, but also what they wanted to be doing, which is maybe very different. <laughs> Can be a disconnect, I guess. MIT students developed the unisex purity test in 1980, which was distributed on the Internet when it was first del- uh, developed. But now we have a oh, When it was first developed, it was paper. It was, it was you pa- know, oh, you're okay. But now this new purity test, Jocelyn, welcome to the show, by the way. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. These questions, very interesting. I just have to say, just as an intro, um, you know, the purity test, do you think you should be giving that to members of Congress and corporate executives and all of these people? <laughs> I know, I was listening. I think, uh, you know, that would definitely be a good thing. I think that that could really help the world quite a bit. All yeah, of us could use a good purity test just to exactly. give ourselves a, a reference point. So tell us, what kind of questions, because if you've got 2,000 questions, they range from, uh, they're very different kinds of questions. Some are really outrageous, some are more conservative. Um, what are some of the questions? You know, it's it's funny, I, uh, I I gathered them from so many different sources, so they're, they really are sort of a wide range, but we I ended up coming up with five different, you know, headings for them, and it was sex, the, sex, the sex purity test, which is sort of the most, obvious. Uh, uh-huh. There's drugs, there's criminal behavior, and then there's cardinal vice. Originally, we had a section called wild card, which was just sort of like, what would you do? Like, would you do this kind of a thing, which is more moralistic? Um, but then we sort of combined the, the wild card with the cardinal vice section. Um, but then the book needed sort of a few shorter tests that we felt like, you know, we're just kind of going to give the book a little bit more color. And so we have a male purity test and a female purity test. Um, the male purity test sort of has, you know, a lot of questions about, you know, have you read books about dictators, <laughs> like that kind of thing, and uh, and women, you know, it's sort of like, can you, have you ever, you know, flipped your hair like Ursula Andress and Dr. No, you know, sort of more girly questions, and then we have a, a gay section which sort of focuses on Speedos, you know, fashion and lap dogs with Spanish names. <laughs> Um, and then there's just kind of a basic test in there as well. So there's, you know, there's a lot going on in that book. <laughs> there is a lot going on, and I haven't taken the purity test, which of course I should. But um, some of these are really, I mean, we can just, well, one of them, let's take some of the sex one. Everybody likes to hear about sex, okay? So let's take some of those sex questions or to, to determine your one's purity, I guess. Um, it's humorous, too. It's really fun, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the idea is that, you know, it's a game book. It's, you know, it's definitely an entertainment book. And, uh, you know, when we talked about sex, it's like, you know, I remember when I was at summer camp when I was about 11, and one of the girls never played the sports. I don't know if she was sick or always had her period or what her deal was, but she was basically always in the office, and she would sort of type up these tests and then Xerox them and hand them out. And all the questions were, you know, have you ever seen your dad naked? Or, you know, have you ever, you know, thought about kissing that boy? You know, so we were all really, like, huge pervs when we were 11 because we all had, like, crazy scores because we'd all done all those things. Yeah, um, but true. these tests, you know, this, this test sort of goes, starts off with your more basic, like, have you ever held hands with somebody of the opposite sex? And then sort of works its way into the more, um, you know, have you ever gone to the bathroom after making out with somebody to masturbate? Or, you know, have you ever asked somebody to leave the room so you could masturbate? Which it turns out several people I know have done. Really? That's interesting. You also have one, have you ever had sex while cross-dressed? <laughs> I bet there are more people who have done that than... than than they would admit. I wonder if people, do they really, you know, you take the purity test, do you think they really admit the truth? That's one of the problems. Especially right, well, you know, I think, it, you know, it depends. If you're alone, probably. You, you know, you want to get your accurate score. I think if you're in a group, you might 
pick and choose which, which answer, you know, answers you give. I think, that, you know, the whole point of it is we like to measure ourselves against each other. So it's more you want to, he- if you're playing in a group, you might want to hear what other people are, have done, you know. So you might more, be more interested in knowing their answer than actually sharing your own. So, you know. Okay, so Jocelyn, it's like you analyze it. There's an analysis. You answer all these questions on the, in, uh, in the four sections, sexual, drug, criminal behavior, cardinal vice purity. You answer those, and then you compare your answers like you make an analysis, compare your answers to someone else and see where you sit on the purity test or where you find yourself? You sort of. You're, I mean, you're, in a, you're against yourself. So basically the number of no answers that you give will give you a percentage by the end of the test in the, in the 100 section test. And then we sort of give you brief instructions on how to score yourself in the, in the longer test. But basically it's like, you know, if you answer 40 no's, you're 40% pure. So that's kind of how you can you measure yourself. Well, but is it good to be pure or is it not good? Who wants to be pure? I mean, uh, is that a good thing or not a good thing? I know. I think it really depends. It's funny because I think most women like to fall somewhere between, like, 55 and 65, whereas most men like to fall somewhere between 35 and you know, fifty. You know, fifty maybe. So it's it's a uh, it's definitely. I think it just depends on on your personality and who you are, and also maybe where you are in your life. I think a lot of college kids might want to be a little less pure, and a lot of you know older people might be like, God, I you know wish I was more pure. <laughs> so I think it just sort of depends on where you are in your life and and what you've done. Although I disagree in. with you, Jocelyn. I think older people. I'm not talking about old old, but say baby boomers, which is what I am. Like. You don't want to see yourself as so pure. You want to say, "Hey, you know what? I don't. I'm, I don't want to be so pure on this purity test. I don't want to think that I. Well, I'm, of course, we're talking about the sexual one, but uh, where do I stay? Maybe I'm getting too pure. You know, you've got to. You're like, what have I missed? I know, but see, I think that that's a little bit the thing with this game is like, you know, you read these questions and you're like, wow, I never would have thought that. In fact, I, as I was writing it and I, you know, speaking to friends and, and, and a lot of people had, you know, the I know a guy story, you know, and it, which I was like also fascinated by. It's, it's so interesting to me because it's like you hear a story, you know, some, somebody told me a story of a, of a girl who he'd seen taking the test in college and she'd checked that she had slept with, you know, two members of the same family, and she'd written in the father and the son, and he, like, was so blown away by that. And I remember when he told me the story, I was like, I love that story. I don't know this girl. I don't know her name, you know, but just knowing that she's out there, like, is, was really cool to me. I was like, nice one. So, you know, I think it's just also, you know, as you read, you're like, wow, I never thought, you know, about doing that or trying that or, oh, that's what that drug is, you know, that, those kinds of things. So Yeah, so it can give you some good ideas. I mean, yeah. seriously. <laughs> I'm kind of fascinated with this cross-dress run because I have never tried that. I think that would be interesting. I have to give this test to my boyfriend. Lauren, you have to give it to your husband. Then we have to, and you have, we both have to take it, and then we have to you know, then analyze your partner's responses. And then, it's like Jocelyn said, you come up with all these great ideas. Sure. Yeah. I'm always up for stuff like that. You know that, Catherine. I know you are. And so am I. <laughs> I like this. Uh, all right, so for those that, well, should we talk about some more of the sex questions? What else? Give us some... Jocelyn, a couple more. One of the sex ones? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. The, what are the ones I can say on the air? They're, I mean, you know, they're well, just... on the Internet, actually, so I think you can say anything. Oh, I can because say the anything. Internet, there are no... Uh, the, the FCC, <laughs> well, there's my, no... Reason. My absolute favorite one, and I like this blew me away, but I, I knew I have a friend who, who told me the story about a friend who he knows, who I guess is maybe a prostitute, and she has a, a John who really likes it when she... Um, freezes her excrement, and then he uses it to masturbate. Like, that one blew my mind. Like, I think my head exploded when I read that, like, when I heard that story, and then I had to put that in the test. <laughs> that felt very important. Uh, Lauren, have you heard that one? I haven't heard that one. See, Never. I don't like, uh, that probably would not appeal to me. Right. Actually, well, it reminds them, me you know, it freaks you out a little bit when you think, when you actually think about what people are doing. And, I mean, it doesn't, fre- it doesn't freak me out, but it's like, it both amuses me and sort of like, I guess terrifies me a bit. You know, it's like, whoa, you know, that's, that's interesting. You know, have you ever had a boyfriend who, like, wanted to pee on you, or have you ever wanted to but pee on him? that's common. You know, I'm a social worker, and I used to do a lot of counseling and therapy, like, in the 70s and 80s and stuff. That's a very common, that's a very common act, sexual. Yeah. 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 Urinating I, yeah, on somebody, so, getting off on that, that is very, that's not so unusual. Yeah, that must be, it must have to do with, like, a power play. I mean, that's, that does sort of go with sex. That's sort of, you know, hand in hand. But the whole, like, you know, 
you know, number two ones are just yeah. like, really? You know, come on. But, uh, but they're also kind of, you can't look away. It's like a car accident. You're, you're like, oh, I gotta see it. I gotta know what's out yeah. there. And then some of the stuff, I suppose, everybody, you gotta get this book. Um, we're just kind of wetting their appetite, the purity test. But, um, you may be able to do variations on some of the stuff. You don't, you know, it gives you ideas for things to do that can, uh, <laughs> like, for example, if you haven't ever, you know, rolled pot in the Bible page, then you might want to get right on that. Oh, that's an interesting one. That's <laughs> blasphemy. Then you are really going to go to hell if you roll pot in a, in a Bible page, aren't you? I mean, is... <laughs> you know, I, well, when I was a kid, you know, it's funny because I, I, I kind of become very pure. If I took the test now and I, you know, sort of took out about five years, you know, between college and, and after college... I would, uh, I think I'd be very pure, but, but then I was, you know, I really was, you know, I remember being a kid and, and going to our, our synagogue. I was Jewish. I was raised Jewish and we would go have these lock-ins at our synagogue and we would like bring joints and sit in the sanctuary and smoke them. I mean, it's like, you know, and kids would make out and it was like, you know, looking back on it, I was like, that's amazing. The things that, you know, you think of doing and you're at the time you're just thinking, oh, I'm hanging out with my friends. And then you look back on it, you're like, that was very disrespectful. You know, that was very I'm making sure. even in my you yeah. know making out in the sanctuary and all that kind of stuff that that definitely I think that's that's a uh, it's a no no but I think a lot of people do it hey Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah I mean they whatever that's in the Bible isn't it that's the same kind of stuff that everybody was doing that's true and you know and also when you lock a bunch of teenagers in a in a you know any sort of a church or a synagogue or wherever you're gonna you're bound to get something interesting going on in there yeah well teenagers it doesn't matter where they're locked up I mean the I hormones are raging it doesn't matter if it's in a synagogue or a church or wherever uh, you know like all those retreats they used to my parents wouldn't let me go on those retreats I think they had some insight into that and and I would always say well it's you no, it's part of the synagogue. Well, you know what? Doesn't make any difference. You're 15, right. and you're not going. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay, we can buy the book. Uh, bookstores everywhere. Amazon.com. If we go online, can we take the test? Or is there any website that we can go to? Um, you know, there there are going to be versions of it up. Uh, right now, there's one at, at the Macmillan website, at the uh, the publisher's website. So, St. Martin's Press. I think it's Macmillan.com. There's okay. versions of it up there. So. Otherwise, uh, I think that the, there should be some stuff appearing online in the next few weeks. So, uh, your books are interesting. I mean, you do gravitate well you've, towards the, I don't want to say sinful stuff, but, you know, The Good Girl's Guide to Living in Sin. We have to have you back on the show, Jocelyn, see what your whole upbringing was all about, because uh, there is a trend with these books, or there's a theme, I guess, right? Yeah, well, the next, my next book, actually, is another Good Girl's Guide, and it's The Good Girl's Guide to Getting It On. So, my mother's, like, really just kind of, like, shaking her head and, like, <laughs> head in hand, like, in hand, just what's going on. She's saying, like, what did I do? I mean, where did I go? I mean, where did I go wrong? Although, where did I go right? You get all these bestsellers, which is a good thing. Anyway, thirty seconds left. Great having you on the show. This is a lot oh, of fun. The book is a lot so of much. fun. The Purity Test, and uh, you can buy that at uh, Amazon.com. Jocelyn Linder. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you so much. It was great being here. Yeah, great talking to you. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox. You're listening to Voice America, and I'm your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away, folks. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. 
it's time for dramatic action in your business and in your life. Join us each week for a program that says it all. Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. Showcases professionals who have succeeded in sales, business, entrepreneurship, and life. This show is about successful professionals for successful professionals. Listen for Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. With host Andrea Siddig Rolf. Every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within. Your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning, Catherine Zox, Lauren Deller Blake, my co host, and uh, we've got our uh, second guest on the show this morning. Uh, our guest is New York Times best selling author Judith S. Beck. She's Ph.D., daughter of the influential founder of cognitive therapy, Aaron T. Beck, who I st- studied Aaron Beck when I was getting my MSW uh, back in the 80s. She received her doctorate, Judith Beck, from the University of Pennsylvania. She's currently a clinical associate professor in psychiatry there and director of the Beck Institute of Cognitive Therapy. She is uh, Her new book is The Five-Stage Program, Five Stages for Permanent Weight Loss, The Complete Beck Diet for Life. Um, and she has inspired thousands of dieters to lose excessive excess weight, and I guess excessive weight as well, and keep it off using the power of cognitive therapy to prepare the mind and alter habits before starting any diet. Now, for the first time, Dr. Beck outlines the next step, and this is what we're going to talk about. This is her book today, A Specific Balanced Diet Plan That Teaches You How to Eat Thin and Keep Excess Weight Off for Life. Eat thin, that's the key word. Welcome to the show, Dr. Beck. Nice to have you on this morning. Oh, good morning. All right. Eating thin. So we have to think thin, eat thin, not think fat, and eat fat, I guess, is, is really the key to this, right? Well, you actually have to learn some specific techniques if you want to be able to uh, not necessarily to lose weight, but to lose perhaps more weight and certainly to keep weight off. You know, almost everyone has had the experience of losing a pound or two or 10 or 20 or 30, but invariably it comes back on because they never learned how to diet. But you're, they didn't learn how to diet because what? I want to get back to this whole thinking thing. Yeah. Can you talk louder? We're a little bit, it's, it's kind of, it's hard to hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this better? That's perfect. Okay, yes. Great. Definitely. Okay. So All people, right. So we have to learn how to diet. It's really not their fault if they've had trouble in the past. It's just not obvious. How do you motivate yourself every day? What exactly should you do when you have a craving? How do you get yourself to get back on track immediately? So these are some of the skills that I teach dieters um, to master before they ever start to change their eating. So, Dr. Beck, is this all part of the five stages of learning to eat thin? What does learning to eat thin mean? I mean, what's the difference between people who eat thin and those who don't? Well, the, the, um, the eating thin part is really the mental part. You have to have a really healthy diet, one that includes your favorite foods from the very beginning in order to be successful, but that's not enough. Uh, the diet alone is not enough, and most diets uh, have way too few calories or don't um, give you the proper balance in nutrition and certainly don't include your favorite foods. But given that you have a really good diet plan, you still need to learn how to change your thinking because at, you know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you see some cookies out on the counter and you are likely to have sabotaging thoughts such as, it's okay to eat these cookies that I hadn't planned to eat because... 
I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm celebrating. They're free. Everyone else is eating them. I hardly ever get a chance to have them. I'll make up for it later. As long as people don't know how to respond to these kinds of thoughts, they will invariably gain weight back. All right, so there are a lot of mistakes that people make in terms of not thinking or eating thinking thin, I guess is what you're saying. Yes. That's one of them, eating those cookies at 4 o'clock and rationalizing why you should be able to do that. What else do we do? I think one, and I think maybe you mentioned it, I think one big thing is like skipping breakfast. I know a lot of people when they go on a diet, they skip breakfast. Not a good thing. No, and the research shows us that successful maintainers tend to eat breakfast. So, we, you know, we really want to go by what the research says, not by what some bad diet author says, but go by the research. And the um, the plan that I've developed is really one that you can adapt and stay on for a very long time. I don't want people to make changes in their eating that they can't keep up for the rest of their life. Uh, so short-term changes mean nothing. It really means nothing to lose weight. You know, the only important thing is to lose it and be able to keep it off. And so you have to have healthy habits like eating breakfast. A lot of people say, well, they're not hungry for breakfast. And almost always it's because they've eaten way too much the night before. One of the other things I think that people do, I don't know, in my experience, when people, if one has to go on a diet, and myself included, I think I've done this in the past, you know, you begin to you eliminate all your favorite foods altogether. Um, you know, you, you skimp on food during the week, and then you say, well, then I can stuff myself on the weekend. All of those things are not thinking thin, right? Those They're are not. Mistakes. And the research shows that successful maintainers tend to eat about the same amount during the week and during weekends. The research also shows that people who tend to eliminate their favorite foods and these kinds of treats from their diets altogether, invariably return to them, and because they've never learned to eat them in moderation, they start to gain weight back. So I want to ask you this. I was watching The Biggest Losers last night. I'm kind of fascinated with this. I guess most Americans are popular show, so I'm not the only one. But, Dr. Beck, how? And you are the expert, so I thought, I'm going to be interviewing you tomorrow. I have to ask you this. They have, like, mother and daughter teams and father and son teams. On the, they all, you know, last night there was a father 400 pounds, his son was 400 pounds. How do people get to that point? I mean, it's one thing to get to, you talk about thinking thin, 20 pounds overweight, 30 pounds overweight. How do you get to be 400 pounds overweight? Um, usually you don't have uh, an organic medical problem. Most people think it's, oh, it's their thyroid or something that's wrong with their metabolism. That, that is true, but only for a very small percentage of people. I think probably what happens is that people who are very heavy are probably binge eaters, and they probably either have an eating disorder or something close to an eating disorder, subclinical eating disorder, where Either they're eating huge, you know, really large amounts of food at one time or smaller amounts but continuously throughout the day. And a lot of people in this range, and, uh, but people who only need to lose 5 or 10 pounds too may have this problem, where they're afraid of being hungry. And that's another one of the mindsets that people have to change. People who have struggled with dieting, especially people who are on the heavier side, believe that hunger is bad that hunger is only going to get worse and worse until they can't tolerate it anymore and that they should solve the problem of being hungry by eating. And this is in stark contrast to what people who've never had a weight problem believe. People who've never had a weight problem know that it's normal to be hungry. You know, if you ask them, do you ever get hungry uh, during the day or the evening, they'll say, well, do you mean like before dinner? And I'll say yes. And they say, well, yeah, of course, you know, like half an hour before dinner or an hour before dinner I get hungry. And I say, well, what do you do about it? And then they look at me funny and they say, what do you mean? I, I just wait to dinner to eat. Because they know that hunger is actually only mildly uncomfortable and that it comes and goes. It only sticks around for about five or ten minutes. So that's part of, I mean, that's a perfect example then of thinking thin. That's what thin people do. They can, they can tolerate the hunger. They're going to have breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And they're not, not always, is that what you're that, that That's exactly right. They know that, of course, they can tolerate this mild discomfort until the next meal or the next scheduled snack. So they don't worry about it. People who, um, who have struggled with dieting think that hunger is really bad, and they oftentimes do things such as, 
bulking up at meals for fear that they may get hungry before the next time they have something to eat. They may bring food with them wherever they go for fear that they're going to get hungry. And so little by little, people put on the pounds. Yeah, we were talking about this last week on the show, and I think parents do this to children. Lauren, you and I were discussing this about how, and I'm going to repeat it because I think this is kind of the beginning of the not thinking thin when you Mothers with their kids, they always have food, whether they take them to the beach or they're in the car or a movie theater, afraid that they're not going to be able to survive if they don't, aren't able to eat the moment they get hungry. And that's, I think that sets off this pattern that you're talking about and why people end up being overweight. It really is a problem. And, and I think it's very important to teach kids that they should eat at scheduled times. The other problem is that kids and adults mix up hunger the desire to eat. So anytime they see something that they want to eat, they say, oh, I'm hungry. Uh, if they've just had a pretty good meal, they can't possibly be hungry. It's that they want to eat. And this is what people need to do. They need to start tuning into the hunger signals. We're losing you. You have an empty feeling in your stomach. If you don't have an empty feeling in your stomach, you're not hungry. You're probably feeling some urge in your throat or in your mouth. Uh, and that's not hunger. That's just the desire to eat. All right. So you have to be, this is a whole body-mind thing, mind-body, body-mind. I mean, it really, uh, and as you describe in your book, which is a serious book, I mean, it's, um, you've got, you actually have recipes in the book at the back of the book, and uh, you go through each one of the stages. So it's very, very complete. Um, and I want to, there is a website that we can go to. Uh, I want you to mention that because we only have a couple minutes left. It's BeckDietForLife.com. BeckDietForLife.com. And we've been talking to Dr. Judith Beck. Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Great having you. Yeah, so uh, she she makes a really good point. Thinking thin, Lauren. That's what you do. You think thin. It's not a problem. (laughs) It's not a problem. It's Uh it's interesting to me, and we have, I know we're going to break, so I have a thought about it. All right. Tell me what you do. It's sort of like people that I work with. Don't say it now. Well, there's a correlation, I think, between money and this. Like, in other words, I work with a lot of people that always are afraid they're going to be broke. Ah, that's yeah, a good point. yeah. And let's talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Lauren Beller, Blake, and Catherine Sox on Voice America. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. No excuses, no delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change be a positive force in your life. Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Green Lake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Green Lake, we dig holes. Lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt at Camp Green Lake. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. 
Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, CEO of Big Fish Nation. Now, before we took the break, and I hope you guys were listening. If you weren't, we'll kind of, we'll catch, we'll let you catch up. But anyway, we're talking to Dr. Judith Beck, and she has uh, a new book out, which is a, a the diet plan that she uh, has instituted at the Beck Institute, actually the five-stage program for permanent weight loss, the complete Beck diet for life. And one of the things that she said is, uh, you know, you have to think thin, think thin. People who are fat don't think thin. I guess they think fat. And one of the problems they have is when they get hungry, they are afraid, uh, there's a fear that they're not going to get enough, that they're not going to be able to get something to eat. So they eat indiscriminately. They eat in between meals, at night, whatever, instead of waiting for a meal, if it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you can be feel hungry. For it's okay, and you're not going to be deprived. But that's an issue, Lauren. You equated that, and I think this is so true to the money situation. That go ahead, you explain it because I think you have a real point there. Well, it's only because I work. You know, I don't normally work with people with weight issues and food issues, but it's exactly how people that are trying to make more money think. In other words, I'm not going to have enough, so they spend way too much, just like eating way too much. They spend way too much, and therefore they don't have, so they're creating what they really don't want. Where does that fear come from? I think this is part of what's gotten us into trouble in this whole economic situation. I agree with that. I do agree with that. There is a correlation on a personal one-on-one level, but there's also a correlation on a, because our society is also um, obese, so we have both things going on at the same time. We're obese and we're... And we're overspent. We're overspent. We're obese. We have too much of everything. Our houses are too big. We're buying houses that we can't afford. And then now we have to bail people out who bought houses that they can't afford. Uh, You know, big houses, we buy too much of the same thing. We've got junk that we keep buying. I saw an article, and this goes along with what you said, Lauren, in the, um, the Associated Press this morning, and it says retailers may play it safe with fewer choices. This may be a good thing. I don't know what it does to the economy because our economy is based on everybody going out and shopping, but that we're not going to have, the, did you see this? We're not going to have the same choices. They're not going to be like 12 pairs of men's black shoes. I agree with that. I think I said that a couple months ago on the show. I think that we have way too many choices. I think your dream has come. Your your prediction has come true. It's going to. That's the reality of it because these retailers can't buy all that stuff. They talked about uh, in toy stores. Now you're in the stage where you're buying toys. You go into. We don't have to name the stores. There's tons of dolls. And oh my you, god! Crazy. It's a waste. And how many so, stores are there to choose from just to go to to get the same item? Yeah. So, the, so that, that, gonna, a, that absolutely, I think, we're going to have a very different kind of world, at least in America, and I think in other countries it's happened over the course of time that they have very similar choices that we do. But in America it's been lots of choices for, I don't I, even in the past decade it's gotten worse. Like I remember as a kid there was only a couple big box stores to go to when I was a kid. Now they're all over and they're all different kinds. There's not going to be that many, and I do think that we're going to see a lot of them not necessarily close up shop, but close up shop as we know it. They're going to go online. They're going to be online only, like Amazon. That's will be here for the next generation. It says, and this is, uh, they're quoting Chris Byrne. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's an industry consultant uh, in the retail industry, and he says that uh, what's going to happen is, to- when we're talking about toys, shoppers will likely see fewer types of train sets and fewer new toy launches. You know, so they're just what you say. And if you want to buy a lightweight sweater, you're not going to have it in every single possible color, there'll be a few colors to choose from, and uh, that's it, or not a huge selection of necklines, you know, every possible neckline that you can imagine, Um, So, uh, which I think is a good thing. 
I definitely think it's a good thing. I think that we don't need so many choices. It's just it's it's gotten us in a place that's overabundant, yet at the same time we have a mentality that we're not going to have enough. Well, of course we're not. We you can't possibly have all the kinds of things that are out there. It's just not it's not a typical it's not it's not normal. So what are we going to do, though, Lauren? I mean, because you can't change people's attitudes in six months or in a month, for instance. Well, I do think that we're in a major shift. And I was, I'm reading, I keep talking about this book, um, Daniel Pink's book. Remember I mentioned it? I think I mentioned it. Yes, I remember you mentioned it last week. A whole new, a whole new mind. But he, um, I'm really enjoying it. But I do think that we're going to a, entering a new age. And I'm not sure we even know the name of it, but it's about responsibility and it's about, like, it's a smaller yet bigger way of thinking, you know, more impact, less owning, you know, stuff like that. I don't even know exactly what to call it. People are calling it the Obama era. People are calling the era of, I'm calling it the era of responsibility, <laughs> you know, that we only buy what we can afford and we, we just be more responsible about our actions, every single action, what we're eating, what we're buying, what we're, where we're going. Our entertainment. I think you can just go right down the line, can't you? I mean, even yeah, in terms of healthcare choices, and I have this is this this probably wouldn't go over well, but this kind of fits into the you know, we're trying to revamp our healthcare system, and going along with what you said. I mean, maybe people who are can't you know, let's say who are a hundred pounds overweight or fifty hundred pounds overweight, let's say maybe have to get some kind of a have to pay more uh, insurance in terms of health. In, in terms of premiums for their health insurance, and those of who can maintain the correct BMI, the body weight, uh-huh. body mass index, then they may get some some perks. They may get you know, they can pay less for their health insurance. I agree with that. I think that it's, I mean even health insurance. I mean look, well not health insurance, car insurance. There's all kinds of insurance these days. Do we need it all? You know, it's like we're afraid something's going to happen, so we have these tons and tons of insurance because of the fear. I mean, there's so many, in every aspect of our world, there's so many choices, and I think that we're going to get back to the basics. And maybe that's the kind of era that we're entering. It's back to the basics. But there's going to be, I mean, that's a whole new, that's a paradigm shift in the 21st century, and then that's going to do something to the economy, because in the economy, and I... I'm far from an economist. I don't know how that's going to work out. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Because I was thinking even like just round, we've got two minutes left, but, you know, I'm talking about uh, the like Wells Fargo Bank shouldn't be entertaining its employees, you know, in, in Las Vegas at these like fabulous hotels with, with famous um, uh, entertainers. But at the same time, when they pull out, then those hotels are not going to do well. Because they're not going to, that's how they make their money. The ripple effect. Yes. Yeah, so then what do you do every- about that? There is going to be a ripple effect, and I think that we're going to see industries literally shut down, and I do think that we're going to see very quickly whole new industries start. The question is, is the people that are going to be leaving the old industries, are they the right people to help skyrocket the next? And I don't no. think it is. I don't think it is at all. No. I think we're going to see a whole new level of um, kind of person that's leading our world into this new transition. You're going to see kids who are brought up on the exactly. Internet actually brought up. That's exactly right. Kindergarten. The 15-, 16-, 17-year-old are going to become multimillionaires because of their brilliant ideas. Yeah, exactly. we got a minute left, 30 seconds left. We have, I'm getting a, <laughs> a <laughs> say goodbye from, from William, our board up today. He was great, by the way. Thank you, William. You were really good. Uh, what were we going to say, Lauren? Um, I don't even know. Go ahead. <laughs> say goodbye. <laughs> I was going to say goodbye. Have a wonderful week. You too. Have a great <laughs> week. And um, join us next week at the same time, Voice America, 7 o'clock Pacific Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Voice America, The Catherine Zock Show, your social worker with a microphone. We'll have a great day. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine zock show you can listen live every thursday morning at 7 a.m pacific time on the voice america channel want to know more about Catherine? visit her website at www.catherinezox.com be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine zox